Hey everybody, welcome back to Negro Police Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen, and as usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in, downloading, streaming. However you take in my podcast, I appreciate it. So tell a friend, enemy, coworker, tell somebody about the podcast. Um, man, I'm going to jump right in. Got a busy day, have an exciting day. But as usual, I'm going to start off with my milestone, as I usually do. Uh, for those who don't know, we have a 10-year-old son. His name is Miles, and I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's nothing. And uh, this week, not much of anything. He's at my parents back in Rochester, New York. Uh, he's going to be there for about a month. Uh, he um, he was really excited to go, but classic fashion, like we're there for a couple of days, and then when it gets time for me to go, he gets a little bit nervous. I've said this before, like my mom's house is really busy. She has a daycare. There's always family over. And here we have a decent sized house and it's just three of us. So our house is pretty quiet. He, he's already a kind of a nervous kid. So I think sometimes just all the stuff that's going on can kind of get to him. But he's gotten better. His, you know, we've, we've worked with him over the last couple of years. He's really ex- expanded on his, his toolbox for coping with and dealing with situations that are uncomfortable for him or that induce anxiety. And also, I have to say, my mom is getting a lot better at, at that too. Just understanding like how he is and the space that he needs and, and not to take uh, any offense to anything at, at all. So um, he, he um, since I've left, he's, he's had a rough night or two, but I think at the end of the day when like his medication wears off and it's just been a long day, he gets tired and he's really, just a creature of habit and i think he's still just adjusting to me not being there so he had he had a rough night but uh he's doing well during the day he's happy to be there but at night when it's time to put his to lay his head down that's when he the, his mind starts to you know starts to wander and uh he has these negative thoughts and i have to tell him hey man you can let these thoughts in don't serve them tea and he loves that saying and i just encourage him to um to use all the skills and, and things that we learned over the last couple of years to uh, help him get through that. And honestly, man, like I have to do the same thing with my wife. I got a little frustrated while I was there with him. And uh, my wife had to remind me to use my tools when I get frustrated, when I'm dealing with anxiety and frustration. And like being at home, as much as I love being home, it do- there's a lot going on. It does induce a lot of anxiety and worry for me. And uh, I think sometimes he can pick up on that. But I, I think this trip went well. We we uh, we had a good time. Um, so that that's the milestone. I, I guess I could just jump into, like, uh, what I was going to talk about. But, yeah, I, I love being back home. I, I, I do. But I am recognizing, like, it's not always a relaxing place for me uh, to go. Just, just, you know, dealing with aging parents, there's stuff going on. Uh, my dad just can't really do things around the house as like he used to because my dad was just like as, as as soon as something was broken he was on it i mean he didn't even really have time to be broke you know he had it all he he's got all the tools he's he couldn't wait to use what he had so like whenever something went wrong he was on it immediately and uh you know things change he's aged and um it's just it's not so much and uh, it's it's a lot for my mom to have to take care for that take care of that house so, um, man, I gotta say, I feel like I kind of missed out on the adulthood shit when it comes to being home. Cause we all remember growing up, 
and everybody is telling you what to do. It seems like all the adults got to do was come to an event and just chill. Minus the few people that, that cook things, but it was just like, get this, go to the store, give me that, I ain't doing that, bring me this. You know, go downstairs, get the bikes for the kids, go, uh, you know, fill these water balloons, do this. It's just like we were always doing something for the adults, whether it was for, like, the kids who were smaller than us or running to the store, setting things up. Uh, I felt like we were always doing something. And I remember thinking, like, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I, I can just tell the kids to do stuff I don't want to do. And unfortunately, nobody was really that irresponsible. <laughs> People kind of wanted to have kids, and now there are really no teenagers in my family back home. They're all, like, Miles' age and younger. And uh, actually, you know what? I got one niece who's, like, 12, but she's, like, an elite basketball player, and she's not ever around. She's always playing basketball. So I I don't get to boss anybody around yet. I, I missed out on that. My nieces are, what, four months, almost two, four, and, like, seven. I mean, I was doing, we were doing hard shit, bringing charcoal over to the grill, just cleaning the grill, just all type of shit. And I got, I got nothing. So when I go back home, it's still, hey, Chris, can you get this out the basement? Can you get the bikes? Can you put the air in the tire? Can you do this? And I'm like, damn, man, I just, I missed out. I missed out on delegating to the kids. At least not yet. Well, I got about seven or eight more years. So when I when I hit around 50, I got to start going home more just so I can boss people around. Uh, I missed out, man. It's just, they used to make us do so much shit, man. And then your older cousins, too, they would make you do shit. I just, uh, when I was back home, I just remember my cousin used to make me pick his toe jam with a toothpick. It's fucking gross. I was like, probably like six. He was 16, 17. It's like, why do you have toe jam at that age anyway? Like, what are you doing as a 16-year-old kid where you got toe jam? It's fucking gross, man. But I just did the shit. (laughs) Just getting bossed around all the time. But being home always brings back a lot of memories, man. Like, um, I got up on, uh, I want to say it was Sunday morning to, to move my car and shit. And that, too. Always moving cars. Always moving cars. That is something. I, I spent so much time back home just moving cars. I learned, don't even park in the driveway. When you go back home, don't park in the driveway, especially living on the East Coast. You got the long driveway. You got people always coming over, in and out, in and out. Do not park in the driveway because what you're going to be doing is moving cars all day. Oh, your aunt needs to get out. Well, let me move two cars so she can get out. But then she don't, you know, she wants to put her car in the garage. So when she gets back, you got to go back out there, move those cars so she can put her shit in the driveway. And then this is the fun one. The way my driveway is, no matter how far over to the right I get, in the driveway, I'm still going to have to move my car to let my aunt out. No matter how far over it is, she can't get out of the drive. She can't get out of the garage because you got to kind of make a little left and then a right because of the wall. You just can't back. You can't just go straight out. If that makes sense. So no matter how far, unless I'm in the grass, 
So even even when I'm at home, I might get a knock on the door at 830. Hey, your aunt needs to go to work. So then I got to get up. I don't have time to go to the bathroom. You can't see. Now you got to do this precision backing out because you're this close to the house. You don't want to hit the gate. You don't want to scrape the side of the, uh, the sidewalk as you're going down the driveway. It's just it's just constantly moving cars. Uh, <laughs> I also figured out, too, whenever my mom says, oh, you know what? That means I'm about to be moving some heavy shit or doing something that is going to take quite a bit of effort. Uh, I want to say it was Sunday morning. My mom was like, I want to get rid of this desk. We've had that desk for over 20 years, and she picked that Sunday. But I get it. That's that's partially why I come home. But I was like, I do not feel like doing this. But I got Miles to help me. Uh, we tore the we tore the uh, we tore the desk down. She wanted to save it, but I was wanted to be like, Ma, this is like some glorified Walmart shit. It's like, yeah, I got good service out of this desk. It's, it did its 20 years. It served y'all. It's been through so many awful computers. All right. How many computers have had viruses on that on that desk? Because we were using Napster and LimeWire and all that type of shit. So I'm like, okay, let's let's get let's let's get this done. So I, I moved the desk from us off the wall. And let me tell y'all, I've never seen so many goddamn wires in my life. Just a big ass ball of wires hooked to a small little like a uh, power strip there are old speakers there are like those old printer cables you don't even see anymore i'm like what is this what is this stuff even connected to half of the wires that were connected to the modem weren't even connected to anything i mean so many old ass laptop uh charging cables down there cat five telephone wire it's just like it was there had to be literally i'm not even exaggerating there had to be two or three miles worth of cable underneath this desk. Just balled up. Extension cords, all type of shit. Old computer speakers. Just, just, so I, we get that all unraveled. We get everything separated. We get rid of all the old wires. There's a few HDMIs you can keep. Uh, I have my son help me break down the desk. Instead of keeping it all together, trying to get it out, I tell my mom, we just got to demo this thing. Just demolish it. So he had fun breaking that apart. We put it out on the curb, and she wanted another little piece of furniture out there. It was like a little night. It's not really a nightstand. It's like a little uh, decorative end table with one little drawer. And let me tell y'all, man, there's a drug problem in Rochester, New York. It really is. That little drawer thing was out on the lawn for maybe five minutes. And within that five minutes, two or three homeless drug addicts were already going through the drawer, dumping shit out. I just had, I went out there, and I just took the drawer out. I just took the drawer out because it's like, y'all just keep coming by, opening this drawer. You're, you're not going to find anything. Uh, one dude, he took like the little metal uh, door handle thing off one of the doors from the desk. And I'm like, I hope that guy really doesn't think he can sell that. I mean, it's, that's, it's absolutely worthless, man. But it's just it's just sad to see uh, the, the, uh, the state of uh, some of the people in Rochester, man. Just the, the drugs there, it's just... It's crazy, man. And if I'm going to be honest, man, it is a lot of white drug addicts in our neighborhoods. They'll, they'll tell you, man, the news tell you one thing, but you go to these neighborhoods, it's another thing. It's nothing but white people coming into the, in the hood, 
buying drugs and ODing. And you see all types. You see the more clean cut. You see people in the uniforms. You see people in suits. They just they bug, they go and buy their drugs and they find a random little street in the hood and do their shit right there, pass the fuck out, and sometime OD. But they don't really get into all those details. They just say some people OD'd in the city and it makes the city look bad. But it's it's white suburban people coming into the city doing drugs. Dying in our fucking neighborhoods. And like, I, I love Rochester, man. I, I do. There's some beautiful homes in the city. It's a, it, There's beautiful neighborhoods in the city. And one thing I did notice, man, and I, I think I say this every time I come back from home, that people who work for the city, when they come in to do work in the inner city, they treat it like shit. They go, well, these people don't care, so we don't care. The trash man come whenever things get blown around. They're not trying to pick that shit up. Like if stuff falls out of the trash can when they're putting in the truck, like just loose garbage, they just leave it. They're not, you're not doing that out in Pittsburgh. You're not doing that in Webster. You're not doing that in Aronacoit. Stop doing that shit in the city, man. They come to do some work. Like plowing the sidewalks and stuff. They don't they don't use the equipment the, the the best way possible. They're running over people's lawns, they digging up little trenches with the treads on the snowmobiles. Again, you're not doing that shit in the suburbs and not replacing stuff and doing things correctly. They see a bunch of poor brown and black people and they go, These animals, they don't give a fuck. And they come in here, they do rush jobs, they don't give a fuck. They come down, they cut down the trees, they don't do shit correctly, they don't clean up all the way. They figure, hey, these people they don't clean up, why should I? That, that's not your job. That's not your neighborhood. If people in there want to have it looking like shit, that's on them. That's, that's not for you to go in there and do that shit. You're at work. That shit bothers me, man. And I, I, I get it, man. There are people in, that, in the industry that don't care, take care of their shit. I, I understand that. But most of those people don't even own those homes. Now it's the people in the suburbs that buy those homes, rent them out to low-income people, and then they also don't take care of the property. There's a house down the street from my mom and them. The motherfucking porch roof is is collapsing. They don't give a fuck. They don't live there. They're going to get that money from the government. And these house becomes dilapidated. And then people ride around this neighborhood and talk about how gross it is. It's like the homeowners aren't taking care of the homes. They don't care who they put in those homes. And I, I, I'm not saying that these the people who live there are doing that should not take any blame yeah they should but the people who own the property should also have pride in their property and take care of that shit i don't like seeing that man hate that shit but it's not all bad shit i i love going home man uh that sunday when i got up uh i just went outside and i sat i, I stood on my front stairs and it's just listening to the birds the sounds I mean, just just looking at everything, it just it just brings back so many memories. Uh, it's just it's wild to see my neighborhood getting getting old. You know, just like you see the 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 people that uh, that I knew growing up that still live there, how they're aging. Just seeing my neighborhood age, you know, just the 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 curbs on as high, the some of the stones just rubbed a little bit more. Like I used to know those, literally used to know those streets like the back of my Manhattan. Man, I knew all the what the, all the curbs looked like. All the sidewalks were all the little cracks and crevices and hills and bumps and and like everything is just a little bit 
a little bit shorter, a little bit more rounded off, a little bit more aged. Uh, yeah, just, it's just, uh, yeah, man, it's um, brings back a lot of memories, man, a lot of summertime memories. Just, uh, just the sound of the birds, the feel of the air, just the smell, uh, just the the slow quietness of the inner city in the mornings, man. I I love it, man. I I really miss uh, my city. I'm I'm glad I left, but it, it does make me miss where I, where I was from, where I was raised. And uh, man, it's um, it's it, it truly is a beautiful town, man. I, I like it, but um, it's time for my parents to get up out of that neighborhood. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, because my mom was thinking about selling the house next year. And uh, I tell, I don't think I can go back. I don't want to see what what's gonna become of my childhood home. Uh, there's a lot of great memories there. All the, all the Christmases, the time in the yard playing with my friends, the backyard with my family, sitting down on the stoop with all my friends in the summertime, just you know the firecrackers and playing basketball, going to the store, the bikes in the driveway. Just uh, yeah, I just don't want to see what, what 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 will become of my old home, man. Hopefully, you know, we can find a, a, a good owner for it. Somebody's going to take care of it, love it, and uh, treat it with the respect that my family did. But I don't know, man. Home sweet home, nothing like it. But um, And I will say, man, there is something that is really nice about having my son being able to uh, stay in the house that I grew up in. You know, eating dinner in the same kitchen, uh, he sees my old room. He's up in the attic. He stay. He's staying up in the attic. But uh, yeah, I, I think um, if she is gonna sell our house, I think we got to get back there for one more Christmas, man. If they're gonna sell our house, I, I got to get one more Christmas out of the house. I would like him to be there to 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 um, experience that. But I, I had a good time. Oh, let me tell you how this shit, man. I didn't think I would be able. It's Thursday. I came home on Monday, but all right. So. Sunday, my sister Kelly, my youngest of the sisters, she goes, hey, we want to have a little barbecue at the house. She's got a nice little townhouse out in Webster. We go out there. I buy my nieces and my son a couple little toys, some stuff they can play with. And I buy them this little stomp rocket. And I don't know if y'all know what that is. But it's these little, like, uh, styrofoam rockets that you put on these little stems. And they have hoses that they connect to. And like a little, like a little, uh, like a little rubber pedal. And it fills up with air, you stomp on it, and it shoots up. And it goes up to 200 feet high. And uh, I'm the biggest person out there, and I'm trying to show off. I launch it a few times, and they're like, really, stomp on it, Uncle Chris. Do it, do it, do it. So I jump up in the air, which what I consider jumping for me. And I come down on my heel and just slam on this thing. And what makes it even worse, the rocket really didn't even go that high because I, I just didn't hit it in the right spot. And when I tell y'all, when I came down, y'all remember in Looney Tunes, whenever like Wiley Coyote would get like electrocuted, how they would like kind of jump in the air like, Ugh. that's exactly what went through my body. As soon as my heel hit that concrete, it felt like somebody was putting 100 million volts through my body. That shit hurt so bad. My heel was so swollen. We get home, back to my mom's house. I can barely walk, y'all. Barely even walk. It's swollen. I uh I soak it in Epsom salt and um this is a cool moment man cuz like Miles is getting to watch my mom take care of me. 
And after I soak it, she she uh she pulls out this little vial. She goes, "This is your this is the last bit of the oil your grandmother uh prayed over." And I was like, "That's it? It's like a small little perfume vial." Well, a little bit bigger than that. Probably about the size of a vial that... You ever see dudes that sell perfume and shit on the trains and, and buses and subway or just downtown? Something like that. About that size. And look, I'm not a really religious person. I'm not. I grew up religious, but I'm just really... It's just not where I'm, I'm at right now. And uh, so she takes... You know, she takes it and dips it a couple of times and she, you know, puts some dots of oil all over my foot and she prays over my foot. And I go, you know what? Yeah, I know my grandma. That was my girl, man. And I know my grandmother would never steer me steer me wrong on anything. And I go, my grandmother really believed in this. And I've I always, I've asked my family for prayer. They pray for me all the time. I do it because it just makes me feel better. And I know it's what they believe. And I'm like, hey, this is I need something. And but there's always a little bit of skepticism in the back of my mind, like, eh, but this is this is how my family can help me. But I, I struggle with it. But my mom was praying. I go, you know, let's just have an open mind, man. You got the Neil shows. You, you fuck your foot up and let's just just be open. You, you know, you did something stupid and you, this is a big opportunity. This is your grandmother's oil. Uh, just just be open man and when my mom pray i just i just kind of just push the skepticism to the side and i go this is gonna work this is my grandmother she prayed over it. she's no longer with us this is the last bit of her blessed oil on this planet like once that's gone that is it's gone so wrap the foot it's throbbing all night i get up i'm already packed up i'm getting ready to head back down here to virginia uh, it's it's pretty tender. I can barely put any weight on it. You know, I can I can move it around because for a minute I thought I shattered my heel. I can move it around a little bit, and uh, I'm like, man, I, I don't know, man, I don't know. I, I just I don't know how this if I'm gonna be able to do these shows because in my mind I'm like, this is this is gonna hurt for probably a week. It's like I, I might I might be able to start walking Thursday, today. Like, that's how fucked up my foot was. I was like, it's going to get worse for the next two two days, and then it's going to be painful, and and it's going to take a while. So, luckily, I'm driving all day the, the next that day. So, uh, I wake up, and I'm like, fuck, it ain't, it ain't do shit. It's still stiff. It's still sore. Can't really put that much weight on it. I ice it that morning. Um, pack up the car. And seven and a half hours later, I'm at home. And I stopped a couple of times, and it's still pretty tender. And I tell you, man, when I pull up to this house, I got out the car, and I'm anticipating pain. And I step down, and I'm like, oh, this is weird. I don't really feel much of anything. And it's it's almost like it never even happened. Less than 24 hours later, it was stiff and sore that morning. Barely put weight on it. I get home, and it's, I would say, at, at like 80%. And it, it was incredible. It's just I had to think, maybe maybe prayer does work. Maybe really believing. But it it, it, it took my grandmother's oil. <laughs> but uh, I'm feeling a lot better, man. I'm feeling a lot better. So thank you to my mom and to my grandmother's oil, man, because I, I, I was hurting, man. 
because I, I was like, man, I might have just shattered my my uh my heel. I mean, it, it was swollen. I was fucked, man. I was done. Um, but yeah, overall, great trip. He's doing well now. Uh, a couple of things before I get out of here. Uh, the NBA finals start tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I, I have a show in DC tonight. I'm gonna get to that. And I guess I'm gonna miss a little bit of it, but I'm, I should be coming off stage by the time it really gets going. But the NBA finals start tonight. It's the Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat. Um, my prediction is, man, this is Jimmy Butler is balling. That Nuggets, that Nuggets team is really good. The Heat team is really good, but they are an eight seed. But Jimmy Butler is balling. They're playing as a cohesive, like a real team. They are balling. Then you got Jokic. You got the Joker. He's, I don't know, man. It's a, you know what? I, I'm, to be honest, I can't call it. I can't call it. I got to pick somebody. I'm going to go, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. All right, here we go. This this is what's going to happen. If it goes seven games, I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. But if not, I'm going to say it'll be um, Denver and Denver and Denver and six. How about that? How about that? How about that? Denver and six. I feel bad for that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I can't call it, man. You know, I need to maybe let me watch game one. I can't do that. That's not that's not fair. All right. My true assessment. Fuck, man. This is. You know what? I, I, fuck it. I want the heat to win. But this is this is my gut. I'm scratch all the other shit. Denver, Denver and five. That's 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 what that's what my heart tells me. That's not what I want. But I think the Denver Nuggets, Denver and five. I, I don't know how much longer Miami can do this. They're eight seed. Denver and five. They, they'll get one, maybe maybe two. So my 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 heart is saying Denver and five, maybe six. It goes seven. I'll I'll give it to Miami. So see, I'm still all over the place. So I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, I also saw that Shannon Sharp is finally leaving Undisputed after seven years. Good, goodbye. I'm sick of Skip Bayless and this bullshit. I just, I, I, I can't stand dudes like Skip Bayless, man. I, I, I can't. Uh, and, and it's, it's time for, uh, for Unk to get up out of there. I, I, I'm not a Skip Bayless fan, man. Not a fan. And uh, he, he put up with a lot of shit from Skip for years. And uh, I think Skip is really, really jealous that he uh, that that uh, Shannon Sharp has become such a personality. Um, and people don't talk about that shit, man. We all we're always shitting on athletes, but people don't really talk about the egos that these sports uh, analysis, what do you call these sports anchors have? They, they they also have egos themselves. These these sports personalities. That's what I meant to say. These sports personalities they have huge fucking egos, huge egos. And sometimes bigger than an athlete because they, they've been doing their thing longer than a lot of these athletes. You can be on TV for fucking 40, 50, 60 years. You can't do that shit playing basketball. 
And I, I just think a guy like Skip Bayless is one of the biggest, has one of the biggest egos in sports, man. And he he just he couldn't handle it. So I, I don't really know much about where he's gonna go. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know. So it's gonna be interesting to see uh what happens with, with uh Shannon Sharp. But he's done it undisputed, finally. And uh one last thing, succession ended. I thought the ending was pretty good. Uh, I think it said a lot. Um, I will say, I kind of feel bad for the Roys, but I don't. It just shows you, like the 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 Roys are in the best and la- and worst position there is. All right, like when 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 Rome goes, we're bullshit. We're fucking bullshit. These these kids, these guys are billionaires that are jokes. No one takes them seriously. And that there probably can't be any worse position than that. To be that rich and have no one take you seriously as a businessman. You're just a fucking joke. You don't have the cachet that you, that your dad had, the pull, the personality, the drive, none of it. So um and then also to see Shiv and Tom be together at the end, it just shows you that they're just going to start that that cycle of growing up in a loveless marriage just like they did, just starting that cycle all over again. It's, um, yeah, I thought it was great. And um, I would like to see the rise of Logan Roy at this point. Just, get, just give me three seasons. And I would say three seasons, and they all just cover different points of his life. Like, I would say maybe like uh, – when he first started to make it big, I was if this is like his late twenties to the thirties, and then his thirties to forties, and then maybe forties to fifties, like whatever the three decades where he became like the big big mogul, I would love to see that. So HBO, listen to me. I want to see a succession prequel, the rise of Logan Roy, and uh, tonight is the night I start my tour with Neil. Uh, we're at the Howard Theater. It's a sold-out show, 8 o'clock. I'm super excited. Then tomorrow night, we're at the Kennedy Center. Two shows, I want to say 7 and 9, or 7.30 and 9.30. Uh, I'm super excited. I want to say the early show is sold out on that, and the late, there's a few left. And then on Saturday, we're taking it uh, about an hour north up to Baltimore, hit the Baltimore Soundstage, and I'll be back home on uh, Sunday. And I'm excited. My wife is coming. We got some friends coming out so, uh, Friday night to the late show. So, if you saw me in D.C. with with, uh, with Neil Brennan, welcome to the podcast. And uh, with that being said, there's a show. That's the show. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>